We're back with an all-new episode of DirtCast. I am one of your co-hosts, Madeline Davies. I am your other co-host, Megan Reynolds. And today, we have a very special return guest. (gasps) Balcher's E. Alex Jung is joining us to talk about, we'll call it a resurgence, we'll call it just a surgence. A surgence. In Asian-American-centered pop culture, like Crazy Rich Asians and To All the Boys I Loved Before. And kind of going back to the Joy Luck Club, mm. which used to kind of be the sole example. By casting and having like an Asian American lead, it sort of adds another layer unexpectedly. But before we get to that, some dirtiest dirt. Some dirty ass dirt. Dirty fucking dirt. We got some dirt this week. Oh, Christ. Okay. Just when you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just like, oh, it feels like it's been a slow summer and now. In like this last miserable week when like nothing is happening and right. it's like all this shit happened. Yeah, it's like the celebrities are back to school. Yeah, the ce- everyone they got is their back. notebooks, they got their <laughs> pencils. <laughs> they have their little backpacks and they're they ready. Are, in some cases, checking into rehab. Ah, yes. What a what a beautiful transition. Thank you. <laughs> that was nice. The celebrity in question checking back into rehab is Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, who like again, it's very easy to project on celebrities mm. who you see. Just through the tabloids. In like a paparazzi but fashion, right? seems like he's had some issues for a while. One could say. Be yeah. it the giant phoenix back tattoo. I mean, my God. Except it's called it a tact too, a which tact- is a tattoo is what they're called. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there should be another word for it. Yeah, and just like I know he's like going through it a little bit. Yeah. He's still not divorced from Jennifer Garner. No. But they seem to have like a pretty good relationship as far as like raising their children goes. I think they're co-parenting in a way that to me strikes me as like very healthy. Yeah. Again, we're all projecting. Uh, yes, I know nothing except for what I see in like Us Weekly. But here's what I can say: Good for you, Ben Affleck. Good for you, Ben Affleck. Takes a lot of courage. It does. And money. <laughs> a, a courage and two very important things. He broke up with Lindsay Shookest, and we are Shookest. <laughs> he broke up with Lindsay Shookest. Went to a Jack in the Box with a Playboy model, oh my God, which also so like right. you know. Sounds fine. Ben Affleck loves Jack in the Box. He no longer loves Lindsay Shookus. <laughs> or, I mean, he's Who no longer loving on Lindsay. Yes. We don't know if he still has feelings for her. I have, again, no clue. But he and Jennifer Garner are still married. She was spotted in paparazzi photos, I believe, in the car escorting him to rehab. Yeah. Divorce, I think, is on its way. I mean, it's been on its way for right. a long-ass time. But I feel like the end is actually in sight this time. What makes you say that? I feel like maybe he'll be in rehab for, like, maybe through the end of the year. And then Jen will finally, the, the divorce will be finalized after. Again, why do you think that? I don't know. I just do. That just seems like a timeline that makes sense to me. It's just like what your your gut is telling yes, you about yes. your close uh, acquaintances, Ben and Jen. I mean, who can say? Certainly not me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Sure. I feel <laughs> like I feel like that seems like a reasonable timetable. Okay. For these events to proceed. Sure. I could be wrong. In fact, when we get out of this podcast, I could go back to my computer and discover that he has been sprung free from rehab, and he and Jen are renewing their vows. All I'm saying is strength to you, Ben. Yes. May you find the fire in you of a dozen back tattoo phoenixes. Mm, Yes, channel that fire. I know, like, for a long time, like, he had a very rumored gambling addiction. Like, that was a big thing for him. Right, right, right. I mean, he's got a lot going on. 
I say this, like, without mocking, and it's hard to say that after I've been, like, full-on mocking him. Yes. Alcoholism is a fucking disease. Yeah. And is awful. That's true. That is is very true. Again, we only have well wishes. Moving on. Moving right the fuck on. To a a triad (sighs) that I just can't get enough of. (laughs) Uh, Elon Musk. Mm. Grimes. Mm. Azalea Banks. Mm. Guess what? The drama is not over. No, no. From when she apparently got trapped in his house (laughs) and tweeted that he tweets on acid Mm. and then said her phone was being tapped. Yep. She's since apologized. I don't know if that's a part of a bribe. (laughs) Hard to say. Um, Again, we cannot say. But Azalea Banks wrote, I feel terrible about everything. Mm. I came to your home without a single intention other than finishing a series of tracks with Grimes. I was welcome to a lot of personal information about you. The stuff made me feel awkward and uncomfortable about being privy to, yet I never had any intentions of ever using the information against you. What started off as a cat fight led to some seriously unexpected consequences, and I sincerely apologize. Tesla's stock dropped <laughs> following all of this, which I don't see how those things could relate. I don't either. I, like, I don't know much about, like, I mean, I, I just don't. I'm just wondering, like, what's the Venn diagram of people who, like, own Tesla stock Mm. and who are following Azalea Banks? That's true. I'm sure there's some overlap. There totally is, But I just, like, have a hard time believing that that's why it dropped. I don't think that—I mean, who knows? Oh, and there's also rumors that Grimes dumped him. Oh. Um, What if Azalea Banks and Elon Musk—what if that's his next move? If Grimes has dumped him— and they realize that they're both like this specific kind of unusual I, that works together. Um, that won't happen, I don't think. But. It, the, the idea makes me extremely nervous. <laughs> like it makes me like my bowels <laughs> like, like Like a little like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> like a roller coaster feeling like, I don't know about this. This is bad. She also wrote, I've been told you're a fan of my music. Hmm. Uh, if you're up for it, I'd like to meet you in person to properly and formally introduce myself to you. After all, we are now co-stars in pop culture's latest fan fictions. Girl, you wrote that fan fiction. You did. You started it. You like opened the like the blank doc and like started typing. You That's made what I'm it. Saying that like she didn't meet him and made a lot of comments about his like, and she said like I was right. I encountered a lot of personal information. She didn't meet him. She uncovered personal information. She was allegedly trapped in his home for like three days. Nothing about this is airtight, I would say. I think Azalea Banks is, like, pretty much an asshole. Yeah. I'm sure Elon Musk is an asshole. Yes. Grimes is probably an asshole. Yes. We're both assholes. 100%. Opinions are like assholes. We're all one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh, good. 
good. Another asshole. This yeah, is, on to the next one. This is really just, we're just sorting through a pile of assholes right now. That's yeah. a really aggressive image, and I apologize. Louis C.K. He's back, babe. He's back. In case you were wondering where he's, he's served been. his time. How long has it been? His redemption arc has completed itself. Uh, yeah, it was like March, February, March, I think that. All this shit happened. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, yeah. in all that time, just suffered with all of his money in his townhouse, just being lauded and supported by his community, the poor thing. But the community of comedy people, a fun community, my favorite community yeah. of all the communities are fucking comedians. Yeah, I love them. The only thing that really actually happened to him is that like horrible looking movie about like oh. having a hot daughter who I wants love to like you. fuck an old director. I love you, daddy. That did not come out. Yeah. That was the consequence. Right. And he just got to like lay low and like be quiet for a little while. He did a surprise comedy mm. set and got a standing ovation because again, the man has suffered. He's suffered. And then of course, like people were kind of annoyed by this assertion that he's like somehow redeemed himself for like jerking off non-consensually in front of women. A lot of, like, the comedy community is, like, jumped to his defense, mm-hmm. but it's, like, defense against what? Right, right. Like, nothing has happened. Well, because he also, I mean, it's, like, the one person that did jump in a spectacular fashion is Michael Ian Black. Michael Ian Black, who, like, always loves to weigh in He does. Issues. He's a weigher in her. Tweeted, We'll take heat for this, but people have to be allowed to serve their time and move on with their lives. I don't know if it's been long enough or if his career will recover or people will have him back, but I'm happy to see him try. (sighs) Like, people will have him back. His career is fine. Unfortunately, I did not ever think his career was going to suffer permanent damage from this. This one woman, there was, like, an incredible comeback. Because, like, Michael Ian Black was having a lot of, like, discussions with people in the comments who were just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this was a really poorly thought out thing to say. Yeah. And, like, all of his answers were very much like, I will have to consider this late. Like, you know, just bullshit, whatever. And... (laughs) This woman, Talia Lavin, who is verified. You can find her, guys. You can. Michael Ian Black was saying, um, he's relying on the market of the audience. Um, And then Talia responded, actually, he's relying on the chummy goodwill of most male comedy club owners to outweigh the extremely real harm of sexual harassment. Yes. Someone (laughs) tried to, like, argue with her a little bit and said, isn't he relying on the goodwill of both the men and women in the audiences who choose to see him? And she, like, came back with, one of the most perfect tweets of all time. I'm ready. And I hate Twitter, so it's saying something. Mm. She said, the audience last night didn't choose to see him. It was a non-consensual surprise, his specialty. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm just like. Oh, that's nice. That is very, woof. Like, I'm not on a rolling chair right now, but if I was, I would have, like, pushed myself away from the table because it's so good. That's a good tweet. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, like, this is such a a male comedy thing to weigh in on. So, like, oh, what, what is he supposed to do? Never work again? Like, yes. I was Fucking say, Christ, man. Yeah. I was going to say, that's never been on the table, so why even bring it up mm-hmm. as an option? Yeah. They seem to view it as some sort of, like, God-given calling. They could not imagine Fathom doing anything else. And it's just like... Or it's like, this is a freedom of speech issue. Yeah. It's like, oh, Please, God, no I, one ever is taking it away from you. Right. Like, you're still... In power, you still have the power. Yeah. No one's taking it from you. Right. 
So fuck you. Mostly, <laughs> so fuck you. That's our that's our official stance on it. Is so fuck you. Ugh, it's just like. I mean, all this means is like now that the bad men have like sat at home and not done anything for six months, we are now entering like their return. Here's like one thing I will add. I do believe in like redemption arcs, but also you have to. A big part of that is redeeming yourself, right? Like are- that is the part that somehow gets, I don't know, like left obscured, out of all of these right. conversations about redemption is like, okay, so what did he do? He, again, he didn't work for a, less than a year. Yeah. He is financially stable. Yeah. There's no risk of that being a problem. Right. Did he volunteer at a woman's shelter? Did he, you know, like, what yeah. did he do? Like, redemption doesn't mean just, like, working again. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, oh, this next item. Hey, being bad, not just for men. That's true. Oh, well, you're really killing it with these transitions today. Um, Asia uh, Argento, Asia who Argento. is one of Harvey Weinstein's most prolific accusers. Mm-hmm. She herself has been accused of sexual misconduct. She paid former child actor and musician Jimmy Bennett $38,000 in a sexual assault settlement. This is from Variety. It says, The claim and resulting discussions of payment are included in documents between the lawyers for Argento and Bennett. The claim states Bennett was a little over 17 years old at the time of the alleged assault, which took place in a California hotel room in 2013 when Argento was 37. The legal age of consent in California is 18. As part of the agreement, Bennett, who is now 22, gave a selfie of he and Argento in bed and its copyright to Argento, now 42. Three people familiar with the case told the New York Times that the documents were authentic. Yikes. I don't think anybody with any sense would ever argue that women can't be predators. Correct. It's just, it's kind of more about, it becomes more about power and who is in power and who's wielding the power. I mean, all of these are essentially about about power at at the core, I think. I think that it is central to, like, the Me Too movement is pushing back against who has power and who's abused that power. Mm-hmm. And it fucking sucks that Asia Argento is one of them because yeah. a lot of people are using this to, like, negate an entire movement. Right. Kate Mann, who wrote the book Down Girl, The Logic of Misogyny, made a point where she was saying how frequently abusers' behavior is excused or explained by talking about how they themselves have been abused. Ah, yes. Which I think a lot of people are abused and then don't go on to hurt other people, you know? Mm. But she was making an interesting comment that the same people who are so quick to trot that out with men Mm -hmm. were, like, very silent when it came to Asia Argento. Yeah. And while that does not, again, negate what she does at all or even explain it, it's just, like, an interesting thing that instead it's just being used as, like, oh, the Me Too movement is bullshit. Women are bad too. It's like, right. yeah, we know. <laughs> like, I mean, the potential for bad is in everyone. I just think it's like frustrating the way that like this has turned into something where it's like you still have to like defend against misogyny even though this is a case of like a woman doing a bad thing. Right, right. You know, it's like, it's not just that, right? It's like it becomes this like snowball of issues. Mm-hmm. I think when the genders are reversed... Like, it's like, this is not about men. This is about one bad guy, you know? Yeah, 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 totally. Sorry, that was kind of a messy thought. No, I— Because I'm having a hard time sorting through it. It's a real twist. I mean, so Rose McGowan, who mm. became very close friends with Asia Argento when they both 
came forward as Weinstein accusers. She herself, a complicated person. Yes. Because, again, we all are, some of us more than others. Mm -hmm. She released a pretty solid statement, I have to say. Yeah. Asia, you were my friend. I loved you. You spent and risked a lot to stand with the Me Too movement. I really hope you find your way through this process to rehabilitation betterment. Anyone can be better. I hope you can be too. Do the right thing. Be honest. Be fair. Let justice stay its course. Be the person you wish Harvey could have been. (sighs) That itself is like a pretty powerful idea. I think it says something for the way that when we confronted with something shitty we've done to somebody else, Mm -hmm. or at worst, abusive, Mm -hmm. that we consider the way we've been treated horribly in the past and try to, like, make good on that. Yeah. Use your power to actually work to better this person's life or repair the damage you have done, which I think is something that, like, Louis C.K. hasn't done. You know? like that has not. Correct. And and I'm not saying that Asia Argento has at all, but it's something that I feel like everybody who's kind of thrown into this, like, redemption narrative... Mm -hmm needs to consider as opposed to just like, well, I went away for a little bit. Right. are so happy to be sitting here with E. Alex Jung, senior writer at Vulture, friend of the pod. He's been here before, and he's here again to talk about Crazy Rich Asians, To All the Boys I Loved Before, Asian American Representation, etc. I also just want to say you might remember Alex from having one of the best podcast voices that we've ever featured. So... Just I'm glad I'm not a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Just <laughs> relax. Listen, let it wash over you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, hi, Alex. Hi. <laughs> I feel like there has been sort of a we are either on the precipice of or just like in the middle of some sort of resurgence of Asian American stories being pushed to the forefront in culture. This is also happening in literature a lot right now, which is not something we're gonna talk about here, but it is. Yeah, we um, don't talk about books. We don't talk about things like who reads. <laughs> but you read. I do read. Megan get, reads all the time. I it's do read exhausting. a lot. I it get is like, not exhausting. Thank most you. of my books are books that Megan has like loaned me. Right. This is true. I, I feel illiterate next to her. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. I love that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's happening a lot in books right now, but it is happening in a very large and splashy way in movies, in good old Hollywood. Um, I mean, it's sad that Two things are considered large and splashy, you know. Like, like <laughs> yes. it's like it's like wow, two th- like what? Oh no, the, they're dominating the landscape. I like, mean, it is stupid. But it happened at the same weekend, so yeah. you were really like, it was in just it. like yeah, right everywhere. Because I mean, so Crazy Rich Asians is a movie directed by John Chu, based on a book by Kevin Kwan. It's actually a trilogy. I met a girl, I fell in love, and I want to marry her. You're Nicholas Young. You're untouchable. But Rachel's not. Have you prepped Rachel to face the wolves? You know I'm back like I never left. I really admire you. It takes guts coming all the way over here, facing Nick's family. Another day. Another all the books are really good and fun. The movie itself 
thoughts. I liked it. Oh, I I loved it. I saw it like months ago. Mm, yeah. Um, like at like special Asian people screening. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I was nervous going into the yeah, movie. I totally remember that same. and feeling stressed out because I felt like I knew that this was going to be a big deal mm-hmm. in terms of box office, like making it or breaking it or whatever. Yeah. And I remember I cried multiple times. Oh, yes. I laughed. I had fun. Awesome. I swooned. Yes. I, was like, I also teared up for yeah. sure. I saw for, for like this. the second half of the movie. Um, I afterwards <laughs> that mom shit gets me every time. Oh, for sure. That's where I'm from too. I would describe that movie as a delight. It was. Yeah. It was like a it delight. was like fluffy and poppy yeah. and just kind of like everything you want for like a movie that you're going to watch in the summer. Right. You know? Right. I mean, both films are like perfect summer rom coms. Yeah. Yeah. To all the boys I loved before, I watched that last night, and I. Thoroughly enjoy it, like every minute of it. it was I was adorable. like, "This is great." I mean, what I liked about Crazy Rich Asians was that the romance was never in doubt. No, yeah. and it was about the tension between Michelle Yeoh, mm-hmm. who is truly incredible. A goddess. Yeah, yeah she's, she's one of the most beautiful women alive. Yeah, she will never die, and she will like stand her over our graves. Unfortunately, yeah, shaming and us. look and look great, <laughs> yeah. and then shaming making us for jewelry. like making <laughs> yeah. jewelry, and then shaming us for like not calling more. And our ghosts will say thank you. Yeah, <laughs> no, Michelle Yeoh will like haunt my yes, I. I feel triggered. But I but I love <laughs> that it was really a, a tension about that. It was yeah. a tension about acceptance into yeah. that family. And the romance is never in doubt. Right. Right. And so the proposal in some ways is Michelle Yeoh saying yes, right? Yeah. It was always Aww. Michelle Yeoh saying yes. <laughs> because Henry Golding was not going to do anything without his mother's approval because it always had to be about her. Well, there was a big scene that was cut apparently. Uh, oh, yeah. Between Michelle Yeoh and Henry Golding, where in between the proposal and the Mahjong scene. Yeah. So you just see sort of like a montage thing of right. it. But uh, apparently they shot a whole scene where, you know, he's like, why did you give me up to Amma, to the mm. to the grandparents' house? And she's like, because I wanted you to be the favorite. And yeah. oh, I yeah. wasn't the favorite. And there was this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, the proposal is really, I mean, there's so many, so many instantly iconic scenes in this film. I think the proposal, the Mahjong scene. Yeah. All of the food, like just the way I think the fact that because John Chu, he knows how to shoot food. He knows how. I mean, he but he it's also a skill too. Yeah, he's so shot, easy to make it look gross. He, right. he shot the movie like an action movie a yes. little bit, which I fucking loved. I it think, was like step up to the streets. Yes, <laughs> all like that. Um, that that montage in the beginning where Radio One Asia sees them at the bar and then texts to like all the people. That was like incredible. Yeah, it's really hard to, I feel like, to do um, modern technology is really hard to portray on screen. Yes. Mm. Whereas, like, there was some drama in, like, a rotary phone, right? And there was, like, <laughs> yeah, even, like, like a, even, like, a flip phone has drama. Because you can, like, yeah, you clack it open. <laughs> if you're Naomi Campbell, you can throw it at someone. Yeah, yeah you can throw it at them. You can, and if you're Russell Crowe, you can throw a rotary phone, too. <laughs> I mean, anyone can throw a ro- I might later this um, week. We'll see. But, yeah, so it's, like, I think it's really hard when... It's just like a tablet, you know, and they did a very good job of like letting us be a part of that world in a way that didn't feel horrible. I don't know. Well, yeah, it just didn't feel, I mean, it was cheesy. It was a little bit cheesy, but in a way that harkened back to like old timey, like Mm -hmm. rom-coms. Yeah, Yeah. but the whole movie was kind of cheesy in a sweet way, you know, like the one thing that I was happy about this movie is that I just wanted it to be 
decent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I w- <laughs> just, just clear just like, a very low. Yeah, bar. like the bar is like this high, is like two inches high. If you can just get over that, that's great. Like congratulations. And I think it far exceeded. It did, yeah. and that was and people every. I mean, it's done really well at the box office. Everyone has everyone I've yeah, talked like to. Yeah, like slayed opening weekend. Right. I saw it at like four thirty p.m. on a weekday. Perfect. And my friend and I brought a screw top of wine into the movie. Nice. And the girls next to us were doing the exact same thing. <laughs> and it was actually so much fun because the guy in it is like Henry one of the Golding hottest people I've ever looked at. An extremely at. beautiful man. Every time, like he would like take a shirt off, like the girls next to us were just like, ah. <laughs> and then we'd be like, I know. <laughs> and it just was like, I don't know. I love those movies that are communal yeah. in that way. And it really felt like that. Where we're like, we are all just like excited for yeah. the whole movie. Every time Constance Wu and Michelle Yao went head to head, everyone was like, oh. And I loved it. Learning that when they were going to make this movie in October 2016, they had an offer from Netflix for, like, a bajillion dollars and, like, three greenlit sequels and, like, complete, like, creative freedom. And they turned it down to go with Warner Brothers. And the reason that they did is because they wanted the movie to be on a big screen. Chu said, we were gifted this position to make a decision no one else can make, which is turning down the big payday for rolling the dice on the box office, but being invited to the big party, which is people paying money to go see us. And that, when I read that, I was like, oh. Like, that made it so much better. I fucking respect that. That's a bold-ass decision to make. Yeah. Yeah, it's like knowing your worth. Yeah. Proving it. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, we're going to prove something. Something I've never done. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I know know my worth, but I'm constantly uh, Um, sliding under the bar. And that that quote was taken from a big Hollywood reporter thing that went up before the movie came out. Something else that was in there that I thought was interesting is that Chu said it's a movie not for an an Asian audience, but specifically for an Asian American one. Mm. I do think the film is Asian American. 100%. Like, I don't know how this movie would do in China. Yeah. Because I think it is too American for a strictly Asian audience to accept it at face value and to even praise it because they would pick apart things that were left in for American people or Asian American people and I guess other Americans. I mean, not to conflate the two things, but I was actually talking to Dodi Stewart mm. about the movie, and she was she was on an episode we had a while ago about K drama, mm. mm. and I know different, you know, different countries, different cultures, mm. but K drama is really focused on like the Cinderella story. It's mm. really, really big of like really rich guy, normie girl, right? Totally. They fall in love. There's family tensions, and so I feel like that itself is sort of a globally appealing story. No, I think I think that part does feel kind of Asian to me, like in a I sort of too. classical drama sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. But I guess like in terms of casting, in terms of, you know, like accents, right? Mm-hmm. Like Ken Jeong, mm-hmm. Aquafina. Yeah. Like that whole the Go family. Like Go family is incredible. Their accents are all over the place. Oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. No, no. It's just everyone was just picking picking something and right. just going right. with it. Right. Oh, it commitment. Fun. Right, right. You know, just just I think in terms of like the world building, uh, in terms of how you're casting people, it it did feel very Asian American. And I, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That seems fine to me. I'm right. I'm sure there are people that are upset about that. There are also people that were upset about like the fact that like the class 
bullshit in the movie, like how it's just like really rich people, even right. though it's in the title, <laughs> and like how we don't see like the only other people in Singapore that we see that aren't East Asian are guards at uh, Ama's house right. and her like servants, for lack of a better word. Right. Who looked Southeast Asian. Who looked Southeast right? Asian, yeah. right. Yeah. But like I've seen, I've read some things that were like, but there's so many other people and blah, 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 blah. And like, I don't know. I feel like it is rude and unfair to expect a movie to be everything for everyone all yeah. of the time. And this is just like one story. And it's just because we have, one story has been presented there's room for others, but just like everyone's... I mean, it's been... The last one was the fucking Joy Luck Club, for Christ's right. sake. And so, you know, this is a movie and book where the principal characters are all extremely wealthy yes. Chinese Singaporean people. Yeah. Right. Clocking it for that seems like such a weird well, it's critique just like, to I me. I mean, well, it's an... E it's like, I mean, it's kind of lazy. Yes, <laughs> me. No one did, but that's my take. I it's do... Lazy. Um, so I guess... The song by Coldplay, Yellow, features very heavily in the film, and it's very, like, tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> I don't know how tongue-in-cheek it is. I think John Chu, like, truly loves No, he song. does, but I guess so he... They requested to put it in the movie. I felt stressed out about uh, that. Coldplay, Chris Martin, said no. Right. Because they basically, they did that song Princess of China with Rihanna. They did. Which got a lot of blowback for being like, what would you call it? Orientalist. Orientalist. And I think he just saw the name of the movie and was just like, absolutely not. Uh -huh. Right. Like, you cannot use my song Yellow for that. Like, <laughs> um, And then the director wrote him directly and was like hey, like, this is what I'm trying to do. He was like, I always thought of yellow as, like, a very derogatory term, and, like, your song is the first time I thought of it as, like, a beautiful word. Right. Which, again, is so sincere that it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> but also... <That> nice. <laughs> We should trace a little bit why this movie has been so big for representation is because of the Joy Luck Club. My mother died four months ago. I realized for the first time they wanted me to take my mother's place. So I sat down on the east where things begin with my mother's best friends. And also, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, which I have is constantly erased from the discussion about no other movies it about Asian people. It is erased from the discussion. <laughs> We're so high right now. We're not low. Oh, dude, I don't know about you, but I'm fucking hungry as balls. Yeah, no shit, dude. Let's eat. Hey, no, no, I don't feel like delivery tonight. What about KFC? Yeah. No, no, no. We've been there too many times. I want something we haven't had in a while. Part of the reason for me why I enjoyed... Crazy Rich Asians so much is because it is not a hard scrabble 
immigrant, like, sewing gold into, like, the lining of your jacket and, like, (laughs) running with your baby daughter in a basket kind of shit, (laughs) which is, like, I mean, the Joy Luck Club is great. It's melodramatic in a way. And it is a story that should have been told. 100%. There are many more like it. that So many people have sewed things into linings of coats and ran. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I can't wait to see more of them, I guess. But I think it kind of plays into the whole idea of white people being comfortable seeing non-white people in subservient positions or in positions of suffering Mm because that's, like, a way that they can empathize in a weird way. But also it, like, doesn't question any power dynamics. Right. Right. Alex, what do you – did you have any problems with the movie? Ooh. Because I'm thinking if I had any problems with the movie, and the answer is probably, like, eh. I think I think maybe there's critiques to be made. I mean, of course there. I mean, yes, nothing is perfect. But I'm like already tired of right. like I know thinking I, about every it. Every single take I read, I'm just like, oh my god. I read like three paragraphs and I'm like, no more. <laughs> it's also just like, like, can we just have one thing? <laughs> well, you also see where it's going usually. Like, the yeah. Argument, oh yeah, yeah, and yeah it's, true, true. It just feels very tired for some reason. Like I'm already exhausted at hearing you work up the energy. Yeah. to get mad about this. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel like the movie that really lends itself for it Mm. because it is, I think, really light and well-made and well-acted. Right. It's a middle-brow rom-com. Let's celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the best kind of like – I mean, this will sound rude, but it's really not. It's like the best kind of like plain movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is exactly what I would want to watch on like a cross-country flight or something. Like it's – perfect. It would keep me engaged. It would still like, I mean, a lot of it's like visual impact would be lost on that shitty little screen. (laughs) But the story, like all of it would still be enough to keep me like, I mean, I think my favorite genre of film is like plain movie, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Like my tastes are relatively pedestrian. I feel great about that. I'm ready to see what else, what what others, all of the other stories, show me them. Where are they? Right. And and tons are in the pipeline right now, right? Which is really exciting. I mean, I feel like every, I mean, this was something that I felt about the first couple of seasons of Fresh Off the Boat, Mm. is that, like, I don't think, it's nice in the beginning to see, like, little nods to that, like, maybe white people wouldn't get, like, either if it's in, like, the set or, like, slipping in and out of Mandarin, like, whatever, like, that's nice, but then I don't necessarily think you need to, it's hard to say, I mean, it's like, you don't necessarily need to center that like, I'm Asian. Like, that does not have to be the centerpiece. You don't have to build everything around that. Sure. But it's okay. Like, it's. I guess it's like, where's where's the line? Like, I don't think right. every film that happens to feature, like, I mean, for To All the Boys I Love Before, right. she's she's supposed to be biracial, right? Yes. Because the, oh, the dad is fucking Aiden. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. It took- she did not come from Aiden. <laughs> oh, no. John Corbett. Oh, sorry. <laughs> who plays Aiden on Sex and the City, also is cast as the dad in this Netflix rom-com. Too, and yeah. it's surprising not in a good way necessarily. It's jarring when you figure it out. I felt very fucked up about it. Yeah, I don't know. If Aiden was in the trailer, I didn't notice it because um, Lana Condor is so good. She's great. Also, she's amazing. She's so adorable. She's not getting enough credit. I don't think so either. For how good she is. My letters are my most secret possessions. I write them when I have a crush so intense, I don't know what else to do. There are five total. Peter, the most popular guy in school. Kenny from camp, 
Lucas from Homecoming, John Ambrose from Model UN, and Josh, but he's my sister's boyfriend. What are you doing? Nothing. Nobody else knows about them. Oh my god. Oh, okay. The letters are out. That was just like a very nice, like, teen rom-com, YA, sort of bouncy fun, everything was fine. It felt a little, like, I didn't feel like the sort of gut punch of, like, happy tears at the end right. that I expect from a rom-com, but I think that's maybe just because it was for young younger people. I don't know. That's it just me. It also was produced by, like, Awesome Awesomeness Entertainment, Awesome Entertainment, What's which that? is, like, a Vine. Like, it was, like, created oh. by, like, Vine stars. Oh. Ah. Um... Lara Jean's, like, Asian identity was not at the forefront of that film. No. And that was I mean, nice. It's interesting to me because— Weird that—do you think it's weird that it wasn't? Well, a couple of things were interesting to me. One thing was that in the books, they go they call themselves the Song Girls. Oh, right. Um, after their mom's last name. Yeah, yeah. Which is something that they just kind of, like— like. Oh, that wasn't in the— That's the, not in the movie. Right. But— I, I don't know. Like, I think this is sort of where you see how important casting is because I yeah. do kind of think, and from what I understand, even in pre, like when Jenny Han, the author of the book, was shopping the book around or mm. optioning the book around to become a film, you know, like a lot of people wanted to make it a white character. And I think you oh, easily right. could have, right? I think yeah. yes. then she just would have been like a she's all that type character, right? Yeah. right? But I don't know. There was something to me that did strike me as like an Asian American feeling that okay. I sort of projected onto it of okay. feeling invisible, feeling oh, yeah. kind of second best. Actually, like yeah. Sort of in the background of things. And even though you're like hot and cute and right. you wear like nice shoes. Right. Yeah. Um, but sort of like thinking that you are just like getting through just being like, no one's looking at me. Right. Because right. when her friend calls her out for like being invisible but actually being a bitch or whatever she says in the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> It was something like that. She's like, you think no one's looking at you, but like actually you're a bitch or something rude. <laughs> I don't remember the exact phrasing. But yes, you're right. There is sort of like an Asian American Which you can feeling. sort of, you know, like with a white character, that would have just been like feeling like an outsider. Yeah, like yeah. Kind of introvert me. Right. But like, you know, by casting and having like an Asian American lead, it sort of adds another layer right. unexpectedly. It's that like you can built into like a stereotype that is, you know— yeah, it's like part of the world, right? It's yeah. like part of a feeling in the world, and yeah. that sort of taps into that. And so that's kind of interesting to me, right? To think sort about of like model minority bullshit. How casting sort of maybe like creates a narrative mm -hmm. inevitably, even yeah. though the text itself might not lend it. Yeah. That, you know. So one thing in the movie that I felt conflicted about, and I'm interested to hear your take, mm -hmm. is how it's sort of a send up to like John Hughes movies. It's mm. very much just like a standard teen, you know, like. It has, like, almost an 80s feel despite the right. like, modern technology. Right. But they also feature a part with Long Duck Dong, who's maybe <sighs> one of the most racist caricatures to be on film since, like, Breakfast at Tiffany's. He right. is. And, like, it gets called out where he's the, the guy who she's dating, Peter. Right. Um, Woke hottie. Says, like, isn't this really racist? Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, but, like, you know— Jake Ryan is so cute. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I was. In, I just found it interesting that it called it out specifically, mm -hmm. but while kind of embracing the film totally. as as something bigger. I don't know. There's a kind of aspirationalism baked into the movie that I feel that's probably part of the book too mm -hmm. about wanting to be 
the protagonist in that way. Yeah. Of those films. Right. And sort of like... Ignoring the shit that's like definitely a red flag, but you're just like, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. Because tiny racist things happen every day. I think, yes, I think it's like seeing, you see you having a a larger thing in mind, which is perhaps projecting yourself onto the protagonist of what, Sweet Six, no, which one? Sixteen Candles. Sixteen, Sweet Sixteen. Right. (laughs) Sixteen Candles. Which is, you know, which is what, what, so the thing that's been most interesting to me, and I'd be curious to hear what you two think about it, is the current overwhelming intense thirst for Peter Kavinsky on Twitter right now. Many of them by, like, women of color, too. Right. uh, Or men of color, too. um, Like, people of color. Something about it is interesting to me that I have theories about, but I don't quite want to... Is it because he's, like, a spicy white? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Like, is that it? I... This is... I think that's part of it. Okay. This is something I feel really gross Cute. saying about like a movie 12. about teenagers. And the actor is actually 22, we discovered last night. Oh, everyone Googled that yeah. afterwards. Um, <laughs> I was just like, let me make sure um, he's not. Yeah. But the scene, there's a scene where they make out in the hot tub mm-hmm. on a ski trip. Like, it's, oh, yes. you know, this, like, shy but actually really outgoing and smart protagonist, you know, finally kind of gets to make out with the super hot guy. It's like a pretty sexy scene. I know. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> also, she's in like a she's negligee. She's in like a see-through nightgown that she like waves into the water in. I was like, you didn't bring a bathing suit, but you could just go in your like underwear. She, like, look, she knew it was time to make her move. She did. She had a she had a mission. But it was like that scene, I was kind of like, whoa. I don't mean to. In a way that sparked something in me. <laughs> mm. Yes. Sure, sure. Sure, sure. Um, a spark, you said. That maybe made me nervous and then Googled what these yes, people's ages are. that were. is roughly when I believe I also, yes. But yes, like I don't panic. know. Like, there was like a maturity to like the sexier scenes that I was unprepared for. And then I think that kind of was maybe like, all right. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> There's also a maturity to them. Yeah. Yeah. Very right. Much that so. is so unreal. That is like so <laughs> fucked up because their whole cot like yeah. They were very like put together. I mean the the film is really a it's a kind of wish fulfillment. Yeah. Of yeah, like for what sure. a, an adult wishes their high school experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that is very interesting. I do want to talk to you, Alex, you Mm. particularly, about a couple of things. Sure. One, I saw you, like, tweeted something that I thought was really poignant about um, people asking you if writing about Asian things is limiting. And Mm -hmm. you wisely responded that, like, there's not really any limits to being Asian. So why would it be? And then you also profiled Sandra Oh, who is um, the star of Killing Eve, which is such a good show. It's the best show of 2018. She's amazing in that. She's so and good she in it. is someone she was like, when she got the script, she ne- said something like, I never would have, Im- I didn't imagine that the part they wanted me for was the titular role, right. which is devastating because it's, she's so good in it. Yeah. But yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, experience of interviewing her or sure I, I i had done two phone interviews with her before mm-hmm. uh one as like a walk up to killing eve and then another as uh after she got her emmy nomination and both of them were like weirdly emotional and like 
I felt very connected to her, even though we were just talking on the phone. And she did too. Oh, sure. Like she remembered the second time we talked that we had talked the first time on yeah. the phone. She's like, she's like dramatically authentic. Yeah. You know, in that way of like an actor. Like she feels very actorly in that way. Right. Where like all the emotions are like kind of on the surface and you can right. like have this like really intense conversation. Right. And it was a very, the whole thing was very intense for me. Like, mm. you know, like I try to separate a certain kind of like personal emotional attachment to people when I talk to them or like right. when I do interviews. But it was hard with her because she also like wanted things from me. Right. And so there was like an interesting dynamic there that I was trying to figure out a little bit in that piece that I wrote. Incredibly shallow question. Yeah. Is her hair as nice in person as it is on the show? That's great. (laughs) Good question. Good answer. Alex, I'm so happy that you came here to sit down with us and talk to us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Dirtcast, and thank you to Alex Jung. Our show is produced by Levi Sharp. Manana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. This episode was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. Want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think? Hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>